Matthew chapter 15, we'll start in uh, verse 7. We're going to be in verses 7 through 9 this morning, starting out there. All right, starting in verse 7. This is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, speaking. This is what he has to say. First off, right off the bat, he says, ye hypocrites. <laughs> that wasn't very nice. <laughs> That's not a very nice thing to say. That's not the Jesus Christ walking through the lily fields with butterflies floating around and kissing the morning dew and all that. That's not the Jesus Christ you see sometimes on the movies and the TV shows. Our Lord and Savior was a man. He was a man's man. And he didn't, mind he didn't mind telling the truth, and he didn't mind telling it to your face. He said, ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah, that's a Greek way of saying Isaiah, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honor me, honoreth me with their lips, but their heart, their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. I want to preach this morning on the commandments of men and how you can know what's a commandment of man and what's a commandment of God. And you can know, but you've got to, you've got to study it out. I mean, so let's go back up to verse 7. Go back up to verse 7. Let's kind of study through this a little bit. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you. You know, we're all, we're, we can all be hypocrites. Amen. Amen. That's... Thing, you know, people have called me a hypocrite, and I, yeah, I'm a hypocrite, but everybody's a hypocrite, you know. We can all be hypocrites, and if you think you're not a hypocrite, guess what? You're being a hypocrite. <laughs> you know, that's just the truth. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, verse 8. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth. They're saying all the right things. They're talking all the right things. All the right words are coming out of their mouth. And honor me, honoreth me with their lips. Everything that comes out of the mouth, all the words that passes their lips, it's the right words, but, 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 the worst, uh, the worst word in the English language, but their heart is far from me. People say all the right things, but do all the wrong things. Amen. Amen. People say all the right things, but they do, they do all the wrong things. And that includes me too. You know, and Paul had this, had this battle in Romans. He says, that that I would not do, that's what I... That's the thing I don't want to do. That's what I go do and the thing that I should be doing. That's what I don't, don't go do. And he said, there's this battle going on in me. And that's what uh, uh, Jesus Christ is talking about. He's got th these people, uh, they're, they're saying all the right things. They're saying all the right words. The words about God are coming out of their mouth, but they're not doing them. And their heart's not with them. You know, James said in James chapter 1, verse 22, he said, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. There's a lot of people that listen to the Word of God. There's a lot of people that know what God's commandments are. They know what God expects out of them. But man, it's hard to find them doing it. Amen. Because it's a hard thing to do. It's, it's easy to live the wrong way. It's easy to do the wrong thing. It's the easiest thing in the world to do the wrong thing. Just, just let yourself go. Just don't, don't put, a, don't put a, a governor on your life. Don't, don't do anything to throttle yourself down. Just do whatever you please any time of the day. Not, that's why the world's living right now. That's why the world's half crazy and half nuts. <laughs> Nobody's governing themselves. They don't think God's watching them. They don't believe in a God. They don't think God's watching them. They don't care about anybody's rules or society's laws or anything. They just go do whatever they want to do. And if they don't like a law, they'll tell you, I don't like it. And I'll do what I want to do. Nobody's governing them. They just do whatever they want to do. They don't want to follow God's laws. They don't want to follow man's laws. They don't even follow their own laws. They're hypocrites. That's why he called them hypocrites. He said, you're not even following your own rules. You're a bunch of hypocrites. This is Jesus getting on to them about this. The Lord, this is scary to think about this. The Lord knows what's really going on in your heart. Because he says your lips are saying it, your mouth is saying it, but their heart is far from me. I don't know what's going on in your heart. And I praise the Lord for that. <laughs> I really don't want to know. You know, I, I, I can see people and they, they might come to church every Sunday. They might come on Wednesday nights. They might, I might see them and I might think, man, that, and, and, and there's, look at that. Look at, they're living for the Lord. They're, look, they're so close to the Lord. But man, you never know what's in a man's heart. How many stories have we heard that the preacher runs off with the piano player? Or, or the piano player runs off with the song leader? Or, or, you know, you hear all these stories going on in church, and there's a preacher or somebody, you think, man, there's somebody who's really close to the Lord, who's living for the Lord, but you don't know their heart. Amen. 
Amen. You don't know. And that goes for everybody. Nobody, but the Lord knows. And he knows your heart. Verse 9. Verse 9. But in, Jesus Christ says something very scary here. He says, but in vain they do worship me. You can be worshiping God in vain. Man, the people don't believe that. There's a lot of people don't believe that. You can be worshiping God and it all be in vain. You're wasting your time. You really believe that, Brother Keegan? Yeah, because that's what Jesus Christ just said. Amen. Look, what did he just say? But in vain, they do worship me. Somebody's worshiping God, but they're doing it in vain. That means, it's not, it means you're praying and it's not getting past the, the ceiling of the church. You're, you're, you're talking to God. You think you're worshiping God, and God's not paying attention to anything you're doing. People have this weird idea that they just, they, they have this weird idea as long as they acknowledge God and worship Him, and they worship Him as they see fit, as long as they acknowledge God and worship Him as they see fit, that God's going to be happy with that. But that's not what the, God, that's not what the Bible says. That's not, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say anything. That's not true according to Jesus Christ. Keep your hand here, but turn to John chapter 4. Turn to John, the Gospel of John chapter 4. Jesus Christ goes a little deeper into this with the woman, the woman at the well. John chapter 4. Let's turn to John chapter 4, verse 20. Keep your hand here in Matthew, but let's turn to John chapter 4, verse 20. People have this weird idea. As long as they acknowledge God and they worship God like they see fit. In other words, they worship God like they want to worship Him. That God's going to be happy with that. God's not happy with that. You know what I find out when I witness to people? When I get around talking to people about God? Is they'll, they'll, they'll say, yeah, I believe in God. I know there's a God. And you're like, well, that's good. You think, and then you get to talking to them. And they've got God. God is some kind of straw man they've created. What they've, made, they've made God in their own image. See, my God comes out of this word right here. My God is Jehovah God. Amen. My God, my God, the God of the Bible, has a personality and he has some things he doesn't like and he has some things that he loves. And the Bible, according to Proverbs chapter 16, God has some things, Proverbs chapter 6, God has some things that he hates. Not just that he doesn't dislike. The Bible uses the word hate. So my God has a personality, but they've created this God in their image. And what I mean by that is, whatever they think is right, their God thinks is right. If they think it's right to, to live a, 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 a sinful, sexually perverted lifestyle, well, that's how, that, that's how their God thinks it's all right. Because God is love. God is love. Love is love. Love is love. And they never, they never stop to say, it, maybe, my, maybe I'm wrong and my God don't like that. Well, how do you know if God likes that or not? You've got to have the word. You've got to have his words. <laughs> and they've given, got rid of his words years ago. Now, look, at, look, okay, let me make a point to you here. In John chapter 4, verse 20. Now, Jesus is at the well, and there's a woman, a Samaritan woman, which is a half-Gentile, a half-Jew. And uh, the Jews didn't think a lot of the Samaritans. And the Samaritans had split off from the Jews and they, had gotten, they, they mixed in with the Gentiles and they started worshiping the Lord God Jehovah. It wasn't a strange, they weren't worshiping Baal. They were, wasn't worshiping a strange God like Allah. They were worshiping the Lord God Jehovah. But they had, they'd said they didn't believe Jerusalem was the place you should worship. They had created their own worship. They created their own temple. They put it on a different mountain. And God had told from the very beginning, God told them, this is where I want you to worship me, in Jerusalem, at this temple, at this mount. And they, but they, had, they didn't want to believe that, and they started worshiping God another place. And that's what the Samaritans were known for doing. So Jesus Christ is talking to her, and look what she says there in verse 20. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. See, it's Mount Ephraim. It's not Mount, uh, Mount Oliver, Mount Jerusalem, at the Mount Jerusalem. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So she's arguing with him about doctrinal things. She says, well, you know, you, you say that we should worship in Jerusalem, but we're worshiping up here in Mount Ephraim, up here in this mountain. And that's how we're worshiping God. Look what Jesus Christ answers her with. Verse 21. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. <laughs> he said, there's going to come, come a time nobody's going to be worshiping the Father anywhere around here. And that's exactly what happened. 
Amen. 70 A.D., Titus came in, destroyed the temple. They, the Jews were spread to the, all the known world for about 2,000 years. To about 1948, they started coming back. Jesus, that's a prophecy of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that came true right there. But notice in verse 22, this is the verse I wanted to show you. Jesus says to her, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Jesus calls her to her face and says, you don't know what you're worshiping. Let me present to you, according to the Bible, if you're worshiping God outside of Jesus Christ, if you're worshiping God without the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ inside your worship, you're worshiping the devil. You're not worshiping the Lord. Because anything outside of Jesus Christ, the devil rushes in there and takes over. And I've seen it in all the false religions, all the false denominations in all the world. I've seen it a hundred times, and you can look at the church history of it. Anytime they take the focus off our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and try to run to God outside of Jesus Christ, either they're running to God through Mary or they're running to God through Peter or they're running to God through works or however they're trying to worship God, the devil runs in there and destroys them. And they're actually worshiping the devil. Jesus Christ says to her, you know not what you worship. How many people in the world are sending up prayers to God in a certain way without the name of the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and they don't know who they're sending prayers up to? Amen, amen, amen. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm trying to give you the truth out of the Word of God. I'm trying to tell you, show you what Jesus Christ said. You worship, you know not what. He said back in Matthew chapter 15, but in vain they do worship me. I'm trying to warn you that there's people that are worshiping God. They think they're worshiping God, and they're not getting, they're not, it's not working. Because it's outside of Jesus Christ. Amen. How can you be so sure, Brother Keegan? My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this is, this is how he was. He stood up and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Amen. If you're going to come to Jesus, you're going to come to God the Father, you're going to try to worship God the Father, you've got to do it through Jesus Christ. He said there in verse 23, But the hour cometh and now is when the true the true, if there's true worshipers, there has to be false worshipers. You got it? Jesus Christ said, Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14, he said, I am the, uh, John chapter 15, he said, I am the true vine. That means there's a false vine. Paul warned that there's false Christ. Paul warned that there's false ministers, false apostles, that, that, that Satan himself appears as an angel of light. He warns people. You've got to be careful what you're worshiping. If you're not worshiping God in truth and in spirit, you're not worshiping God. You've got to do it through Jesus Christ. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I said that a hundred times from this pulpit. All sincerity and there's a lot of sincere worshipers out there uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are very sincere about what they do uh, Muslims are very sin so sincere Muslims are so sincere about what they do they're willing to blow themselves up for their God there's so many religions there's so many people that are so sincere about what they do but all sincerity without the truth is still a lie you got to be careful because you see people are so sincere and you say, well, surely they're so sincere about what they believe. Surely it's the truth. No, it's not. Outside of this Bible, it's not going to be the truth. Amen. 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 All right. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, please. Matthew chapter 15, verse 9. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 15, verse 9. And let's focus on this morning what we need to learn out of the Word of God. But in vain they do worship me, teaching, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So Jesus Christ is warning that there's people in the world that they're trying to worship God, but they're teaching doctrines. Though, now, doctrine, a doctrine is defined as a religious teaching. It's, a doctrine is a religious teaching of a truth. So he said they're trying to teach doctrines, they're trying to teach commandments, but they're not from God. These commandments are not coming from God Almighty. They're coming from men. But, they, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. 
And he warned, uh, and Jesus Christ warned, uh, later on he warns his disciples about Pharisees and uh, Sadducees. He says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And then they understood but the doctrine of the, that it wasn't of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's found in Matthew chapter 16. So Jesus Christ was real quick always to point out, these guys are not teaching the truth of God. They're teaching a false truth, a false doctrine. These Pharisees and Sadducees, they were the religious leaders of the day. He said, you need to be worshiping God in truth. So if you're like me, I always have a lot of questions. Amen. Hey man, I just, I, I want to ask questions. I'm going, to drive the Lord, I'm going to drive the Lord Jesus Christ crazy when I get to heaven because I'm going to ask a lot of questions if I don't already know it. <laughs> I just got a lot of questions. So the question that comes to my mind is how can you tell if a doctrine or a commandment is from God or is from man? How can you tell? That's a good question, isn't it? How can you tell a doctrine or commandment is of men or of God? Let me give you some answers. Let me give you some answers. The first way you can tell if a doctrine is of... Is a, there's going to be two ways you can tell. And this is the two best ways I can give you so you can point them out. Because you need to have a recipe, right? You need to have a plan. So if you see somebody give you something that says, you know, well, you know God wants us to do this, or God wants you to do that, or God wants you to, to definitely worship on Saturday... You know, that's the Sabbath. That's the Seventh-day Adventist. There's all these people you're going to run into, and, and some of them are saved. Some of them are saved Christians, but they're not worshiping God correctly. They're not, they're not, they're teaching. Even Baptists, Baptists have a lot of doctrines and commandments that are not of God. They're just of men. Amen. Let me give you an example. Show me in the Bible where it says you have to have church on Sunday night. It's not in there, right? Well, I believe in going to church on Sunday night. I believe in going to church every time the doors open. I, you know, amen, I believe in being here. You know, I believe that. Show me where it says in the Bible you got to meet on Wednesday night. No, I don't, right? But we do it. That's what we decided to do. It's just a commandment of man. And we try to, every time the doors open, we try to be faithful to the church. And I think it's good for you to get that midweek refreshment. You know, you go through the world and the world's beating you down and you get up here on Wednesday nights and it's good to be around other brothers and uh, sisters in Christ and you know, and you read the Bible. I think it's good for you. But it's not a commandment of God. Now, it is a commandment from God to get together and worship together. We're not supposed to forsake the assembling together of each other, of ourselves. So, now that might be weekly, and that's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches they were doing it weekly. But if you're living back in the old days, back in the 1800s, 1700s, back when this country was first being formed, there were churches set up and they would have church every month because people would have to take wagons and come up and they'd just do it every month. Primitive Baptists were doing that. They'd have monthly services because it's so hard for them to get together. So what do we do here? We, we, almost every other Baptist church I know has Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, right? Twelve years ago, we weren't even having Wednesday night services. And Sister Carolyn, Brother George, Brother Raymond, uh, there's a, a bunch of other brothers and sisters here, a couple other brothers and sisters. We decided we were going to start having Wednesday night services. So we made Wednesday night services. And then we decided, well, we might try to do Sunday night services, maybe. But it was too long a drive. There's a bunch of us coming from Brownwood, so it's about a 45-minute drive for us. It's just too much. So we decided, let's not have Sunday night services. And we've been fine with that for, what, 12, 13 years. Praise the Lord. Some of these brothers that are on our missionary board... <laughs> well, they come in, and, they, and I, they're like, well, we'll be there for the Sunday night service, brother. And I have to tell them, we don't have Sunday night services. They look at me like I said, yeah, we'll be up here drinking at the bar, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a shindig up here. We're going to be drinking. They look at me like I just told them that, you know, I'm, I'm a devil worshiper or something. And, and they, not, they don't dare say something to me. <laughs> they, don't, they, they won't say nothing to me so I can straighten them out. They just look at me like, Okay, okay, you know, like, like, you're going to hell, but we'll be, we'll, okay, you know, like, like I'm going to hell now or something. But that's the point is, is that we get caught up into this. These commandments, these traditions, these doctrines and commandments of men that God never intended to put on man. God, God wants us to worship him in, in, in truth, amen. He doesn't want us to worship him in some kind of ceremonial thing. It's good for us to get together. The first Christians were getting together on Sunday, Every Sunday they were getting together. That's all Bible. That's all I can show you the study of that. That's all. It was a weekly thing. They got together. They would give money 
for the poor people. They'd give money for missions. That's what we try to do here at church. They were tithing. They were getting together. That's how the church was set up. All that stuff is true. But somewhere along the way, you know how man is. They got to put their finger in it. So the question goes back is, how do you know if it's man or God? The things we're doing, how we're doing it, the way we're doing things. How do you know? Because I've had people come up to me. You need to worship God on Saturday. You worship on, that's the devil's, but you can't be doing it on Sunday. You need to be, God wants us to worship on the Sabbath. And now you get this kind of stuff as a Christian. Here's the answer to that. How can you tell that the doctrine or commandments of man? Well, the first way you can tell is if someone, now listen to this, if someone can't give you a chapter or verse out of the Bible, to show why they believe it and why they're teaching it, ignore them. Amen. If somebody comes up and says, well, you need to be doing it, well, show me in the Bible. Right? Amen. This is our final authority for all practices of faith and how we live our life in every way. In this church and outside of this church. Amen? Amen. I mean, I live my life, when I go to work, I live my life by this Bible. When I'm working during the day, if I, I, live my, I try to live by this Bible. It's the final authority. So if somebody comes up to me and says, God wants you to be doing this. God expects you to be doing that. The first question you ask is, show it to me. Amen. Amen. And if they can't show you a chapter or verse, ignore them. Amen. And I've had so many people say some of the kookiest, weirdest things to me. And I'll say... Where's that in the Bible? I mean, I'm not mean to them. I'll say, I've never seen that in the Bible. I've been studying it for 25 years. Where's that in the Bible? It's in there. <laughs> That's what they'll tell me. Oh, it's in there. My grandmother, she told me it was in there. Oh. Your granny told you it was in there. Well, why don't you find out if it's in there or not? Look, I'm not trying to put my authority over you. I'm trying to give you an authority that you can trust, which is the Word of God. Okay, the second question you have is, if you, if the, the first one is, if someone can't give you a chapter or verse of why they're teaching that or why they believe that, then just ignore them. The second one is, if, if they do have Scripture, which some of them do. Some people will show up and they'll have Scripture, to, and they'll give you Scripture. Jehovah's Witnesses are notorious for this. And they'll give you a verse. And they'll give you a verse. Right there, the Bible says, blah, blah, blah. So what do you do then? Because then there's a Scripture. And what happens is a lot of times, brothers and sisters, I don't know if y'all have had this experience. This happened a lot to me in life. I've had other brothers and sisters tell me they've had this experience. A lot of times when somebody tells me, God wants you to do this, that, and another. And I'll go, really? And they'll say, see, the Bible says, and they'll show you a verse. The Holy Spirit in me will say, uh-uh. Now, I can't prove why that's wrong. I can't show you the other verses that prove that's wrong. But the Holy Spirit in me, there's a witness in me that says, mm, something ain't right. I'm not saying it's an audible voice, but you just get the feeling, you know? Like, you don't have that. So what do you do? If they do have Scripture, you've got to have two questions of that Scripture. If they do have the Scripture, you've got to have two questions of that Scripture. The first question is, is the verse used right in the context? So if they, somebody does give you a verse, you're trying to check if this is a commandment of man. And somebody says, yeah, this commandment is blah, whatever it is. If they, do give, if they do give you a verse, a chapter and a verse showing you in the Bible that God wants you to do this, well, you got the first question you got to ask after that is, is the verse used right in the context? What does that mean? The context means is you can take something out of context. You, can, uh, you need to read and make sure that that's exactly what God is saying. Because somebody can come along and, and like I walked outside and uh, one of the brother, I walked outside and brother, uh, brother said, uh, Brother Terry said, hey, they're out here talking about killing people. And I told them they need to go to church. <laughs> well, I'm like, what? What's going on here? And then I found out they were really talking about killing somebody. I don't know who they were trying to kill off. But no, they, they, were, just, they were talking about, just, you know what, that's the context. I mean, I wasn't there. I need to hear the context of what Ronnie and what Raymond were talking about, right? You don't want to take, take it out of context. So what you need to do, to, you want to make sure the verse is in context. Well, you've got to read the verse before and, before and after. In other words, okay, there's the verse. Well, read, what, read before the verse and read after the verse. Read the whole chapter. Get the context. Get the feeling of what God's trying to say, what the Word of God's trying to say, what the Bible's trying to say. You know, in Amos chapter 4, verse 4, God tells 
Israel, go down to Bethel and transgress and, and commit iniquity. And that's in there. God's telling them to go sin. It's in there. Amos 4.4. 4. Go read it. He's in there. It's in there. God's saying, go down to Bethel, come down to Bethel and sin. That's a commandment from God. Come to Bethel and sin. And you're reading that and you're like, wow, there's God commanding them to sin. And then you get two verses later and, it, and God says, because that's what you like to do. God's being sarcastic. God is sarcastic. Yeah, God is not just an ATM that you go and you, you, know, you pull money out of an ATM or something. He's not just some pie-in-the-sky idea. God's got a personality, and he can be very sarcastic sometimes. Sometimes he can lead people to destruction. He can do different things. That, he just does what he wants to do. So you've got to make sure you read the verse. You've got to make sure you understand the context. You've got to make sure that God's not being sarcastic or what else is going on. Okay, the second, the second question you've got to ask yourself is it rightly divided? Is the verse rightly divided? Now, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 teaches us this. A very important truth. Write this verse down if you don't know it. Study the show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. First, you've got to study. So you won't be ashamed. And then he says, Paul says, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. You've got to rightly, guys, if you get anything from me this morning, if you get anything from my teaching for 13 years of being out here, please get this. You've got to rightly divide the word of truth. If you do not rightly divide the word of truth, you'll be so messed up, so squirrely, you won't know what's going on. I have some people say, why are there so many different denominations? Well, a lot of reasons is because they won't rightly divide. Or you got people getting mad at each other, splitting up. But a lot of it's just not understanding the word of God. They believe the Bible. They're saved. I think a lot of them are saved, going to heaven, but they just have took the Bible and they're not rightly dividing it. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, rightly dividing is, means who is God talking to? Who is doing the talking? Is God talking to a Jew, to a Gentile, to the church of God? See, God, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, there's a Jew, there's a Gentile, and there's a church of God. There's three classes of people that God looks at. When God looks down from heaven, he either sees a Jew... He either sees a Gentile or he sees somebody that's a part of the body of the believers of Jesus Christ. That's how he sees people. And, and the prophecy's full of that where God's prophesying to a Jew. And Gentiles like to take that and say, see, that means me. No, that's to a Jew. That's what, the world's notorious for that. Where they'll say, the prophecy says that I'm going to give you this land and I'm going to get, set up Jerusalem and everything. Well, a Christian becomes a born-again Christian and they see that verse and they say, well, God means me that I'm going to go and I'm going to be. No, God's talking to his people. And he's talking to his people, to Israel. And for 2,000 years I said, nah, 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 that was to the church. Well, now we're living in 2018. We understand God's bringing his people back to Israel. He is working with them. He is dealing with them. Because he prophesied he would. You can't steal something that belongs to a Jew and apply it to the church. You can't take something that applies to the church and put it on a Jew. You can't something that take something that applies to a church and put it and apply it to a Gentile, a lost Gentile. Amen. You can't do it. People do it all the time. Look, the command that God gave Adam and Eve is not the command he's going to give me and you. Amen. Nobody in this room, God didn't command anybody in this room, don't eat of that tree. <laughs> Amen? Nobody got that commandment from God. Nobody got the commandment like Noah got to go build an ark. You see how God works? It's called dispensations. It's called covenants. It's called God deals with people in different ways at different time periods of this, of this earth. That's how God works. So you got to, like Paul said, you got to rightly divide the word of truth. And I'm going to show you this very quickly. I'm going to show you a perfect example of this. Turn to Acts chapter 2. And we'll just look through this real quickly and we'll close this way. But in Acts chapter 2, I'll show you a perfect example of this. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38. I'll show you a perfect example of how somebody misapplies and takes a verse out of context and doesn't rightly divide it. And, and as quickly as I can this morning, if you'll follow with me, we'll take this verse and we'll, we'll look at it. We'll rightly get the context and we'll rightly divide it. And then at the, end of this, at the end of this service, real quickly, you'll understand what Peter was saying. And I think you'll get an understanding. And this will just to give, you a, just give you an example of this. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. Now, when they heard this, 
What's going on here? Here's the context. Peter has just got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just fell. It's the day of Pentecost. All the Jews are in Jerusalem because that's what God had commanded them to do because they were Jews. God never commanded you to do that, but he commanded the Jews. So they're all up in Jerusalem like God commanded them to do, all the men. He comes out. Peter comes out full of the Holy Ghost because he just got the Holy Ghost. So he starts preaching to the Jew. Now, notice what I just said. He's preaching to the Jew. He's not preaching to a Gentile. He's not preaching to me and you. He's not preaching to the Christians. He's preaching to Jews that just crucified their Messiah. And they know it. He went on this tirade of showing them their scripture. Because Gentiles didn't have scripture. Gentiles didn't have scripture. Jews had scripture. He's preaching to them the, the Old Testament. And he's telling them that's what David said would happen. And you crucified your Messiah. So when that happens in verse 37. Now when they heard this. And you can go home and read all this if you don't believe me. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, that's the Jews, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we do now that we found out we crucified our Messiah? Peter says there in verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now for ages on ages, for a couple of hundred years or longer, that's called baptismal regeneration. There's been churches that have took that verse and said, that's the verse you use to get saved. And you have to be baptized to be saved. See, he commanded you to be baptized, and if you're not baptized, you can't get the Holy Ghost, you've got to be baptized. Because if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're not saved, and if you're not baptized, you don't have the Holy Ghost. It goes back and forth. And they've used that verse for hundreds of years to preach and teach that. Somebody's not rightly dividing it. And if somebody come up to you and gave you verse Acts chapter 2, verse 38, you'd say, wow, I need to be baptized to get saved. I need... And that's not what, that's what that verse says, but that verse is not for you. You've got to understand the book of Acts is a transition. I just told you what was going on. Peter's just getting the Holy Ghost. He's just starting to preach. He doesn't even think a Gentile can get saved. You say, what? You don't... Turn to Acts 10. Now, come, now we're, going to, we're going to go through the book of Acts real quick. Turn to Acts 10. So Peter doesn't believe a Gentile can get saved. So God sends down a vision to Peter. And while Peter's up on the top of the house and he's meditating and praying, God sends his vision of this sheep, and it's got all kinds of animals to eat. He got pork chops and pork ribs, all kinds of good animals to eat. And, 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 and God tells Peter in this vision, rise up and eat, Peter. And what does Peter tell God? No way, God. I'm paraphrasing it. Peter basically says, no way, God. I've never eaten anything unclean. You told me not to eat anything unclean. That's pork chops. That's catfish. I've never eaten any of that. I'm not eating any of that on that table, on that sheet. And God says, don't you call anything unclean that I call clean. Arise and eat. Peter didn't understand the vision. And then he understood God was about to send him to the Gentiles that do eat catfish and pork chops and all the good stuff. Amen. Amen. And Peter didn't want to go because he didn't think a Gentile, a Gentile is a dog. A Gentile can't get saved. But God's about to sh open his eyes. Now notice this is way past Acts chapter 2. We're in Acts chapter 10. So then Peter's sent and Peter starts preaching the gospel to him like he was preaching the same message that he was preaching to the Jews. But something funny happens along the way. Acts chapter 10, look way down at verse 44. So he's preaching this to the Gentiles. Now remember, back in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he says, Be baptized, and you'll receive the Holy Ghost. That's one way of reading that verse. So they were, they, he had already preached that. Well, he's getting around to start, he's about to preach that. He's about to preach Acts 2.38, but something strange happens. Look at verse 44. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Same man, Peter, preaching it, but look what it says. While Peter yet spake these words, look what happens. The Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. Uh-oh. They hadn't been baptized yet, and the Holy Ghost has already fell on them. And they of the circumcision, look, they of the circumcision, or the Jews that were circumcised, they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. They couldn't believe it. Here's a Gentile dog and he's got the Holy Spirit. Amen. What's going on here? They hadn't even been baptized yet. Whoa! Something's happening, something's changing. Things are changing. God's working in a different way. 
Look at verse uh, 45. And then they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They couldn't believe it. But look at verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's how they knew they had the Holy Ghost. This, the gift of tongues. I heard them speaking in tongues. These guys are, they got the Holy Ghost. Verse 47. Can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they them to tarry certain days. You see what just happened there? That's the total opposite of what happened with Peter was preaching. Peter's saying, you be baptized and you receive the Holy Ghost. And Peter's over there preaching to them the same message to these Gentiles. A Gentile is me and you, by the way. And he's preaching this message to the Gentiles, and they, they simply believe, and by putting their faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and starts dwelling in them. God gives them a gift of tongues to show a sign to the Jews that they do have the Holy Ghost. They're flabbergasted. They had not even touched water yet. Amen? Amen? No water. And they said, well, how can we, we got to get them baptized. Let's go down and get them baptized. That's exactly what's happening to you today, Christian. Somebody preaches the word, you hear it, you believe, the Holy Spirit comes in and lives in you, and then they say, okay, now that you're saved, we need to go down and get you baptized. You don't get baptized to be saved. You're already saved. They were saved before they got baptized. That's what's happening to you. You see the transition that's going on here in the book of Acts? You're seeing how it's so deceptive just to pull one verse out of Acts 2.38 and say, that's, how, that's a verse you need to use to get saved. And you've got to be baptized to get saved. Well, you've got to keep reading. <laughs> There's something going on here. Now, it doesn't even stop there. Turn to Acts 15. Turn to Acts 15. It doesn't stop there. This is a transition book. This book is transitioning. The book of Acts is a transitional book where you have God has given the commandment to the Jew, and they have to keep the law. Now, what's happening is God is, is making a body of believers called the church, which is the body of Christ, and those are, those are people who believed in Jesus Christ, took him as Lord and Savior. He's taken these Jews and these Gentiles, and he's putting them into one body, and he's calling it the church. And that's what's been happening here. So it's a transitional period. So it's real dangerous to go get in your doctrine from a book that's transitioning. See? You got God's transitioning the commandments. And then you have Acts chapter 15. They're still going through a transition. They're still questioning, okay, what do we do here? What do we do here? Because look at verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So you have these Gentiles like Cornelius. It's like, man, I'm saved. Praise the Lord. And then you have these Jews come down and they say, You've never been circumcised. You're not saved. Because God said way back in Genesis chapter 12, way back in Genesis 17, you've got to be circumcised. You're not circumcised. You're not saved. And this Gentile over here says, what do you mean? I have the Holy Spirit. I'm saved. And these guys say, no, you're not. You haven't been circumcised. See that in verse 1? So you see there's a transition going on here. People are arguing about doctrine. People are arguing about what's God's commandment. You see that? Look at verse Five. For, for time's sake, skip down to verse 5. But there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying, they believed that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So they're saying, okay, you can't, if, you, if you're not circumcised, you can't, you're not saved. And then there's some saying, you get to, be, to keep being saved, to stay saved, you've got to be circumcised. Okay, you are saved, Cornelius, but now go get circumcised. So there are people teaching these doctrines. This is starting to sound a lot like modern day. Amen. People putting all these laws and commandments on you that God never intended. God never intended that. Look at verse 9. So how, how is Peter going to answer this? Look at verse 6. Let's skip down to verse 6. Let's go to the very next verse. Let's get the context. I don't want you to think I'm trying to pull one over on you. And the apostles and elders came together for the consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, see, there are people arguing about this. Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, same Peter, this is the same Peter, guys. Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. That happened in Acts chapter 10. 
And God, which knoweth the hearts. See how it all goes back to what Jesus Christ says. It all goes back to what's going on in your heart, brothers and sisters. Bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. If you believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Romans chapter 10. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. Romans 10, 9. If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's a belief in the heart. He said these Gentiles believe in their heart. They're saved. They've got the Holy Spirit. But there's a problem. They haven't been circumcised. They're eating pork chops. They're eating catfish. They're not following God's commandment that God gave to the Jew. But verse 9, but he looked, and he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now verse 10, now therefore, this is Peter speaking, now therefore, why tempt ye God? See, when you come up with a commandment that God never intended, you're tempting God. You're putting a burden on them. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke Upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. <laughs> he said, why are you telling them to be circumcised, to keep the, the commandments of the Levitical commandments about the, uh, you can't eat this, and you can't eat that, you got to do this, you can't got to do that. Peter says, don't you know, guys, our fathers couldn't keep it and neither could we. <laughs> You're being a hypocrite. You're trying to tell them to do something and we couldn't even do it. Verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. You're saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the transition going on from where Peter's saying you've got to be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost to where he's going to Acts chapter 10 and they're getting the Holy Ghost before they're baptized to further on down the road to Acts chapter 15. And now he's saying, you know what? You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to keep the law. Just believe in Jesus Christ with your heart and you'll be saved. Amen. That's what he's preaching. Now skip down to verse 24. They, they write a letter. They get together and write the letter to all the churches. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. I have guys come up to me. You got to worship God on Sabbath. God, God wants you to worship Him on the Sabbath. He didn't give me that commandment. Amen. Well, Genesis, and they start quoting these verses, and I'll give them verses right back in Colossians. God never gave you that commandment. Amen. He never did. We're, we're way past that. We're way, way past that. People say, you got to keep, and this is what they'll do to you. you got to keep the Ten Commandments. I believe in the Ten Commandments. Well, he says in the Ten Commandments, you gotta, you got to keep the Sabbath holy. Do you understand what Jesus Christ did with the Ten Commandments? Jesus Christ is like Moses. Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, he broke them. Jesus Christ came to the Ten Commandments, and he took them, and he broke them. Say, so what do you mean by that? The Ten Commandments says, thou shall not commit adultery. Amen? Amen? So you have a man walking by and he says, I've never cheated on my wife. And he looks at another woman and he's like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And in his heart, he's cheated on her four times that day. So Jesus Christ shows up and he takes his Ten Commandments and he breaks them in half. And he says, if you looked on a woman and lusted after her in your, in your heart, you've cheated on her and you've committed adultery. Amen. That's not what the law says. <laughs> That's why they wanted to kill Jesus. They could keep the law of not committing adultery because they've lust all day long after every woman they've seen, but they never touched her. And Jesus Christ said, yeah, you commit adultery with her because your heart wants to do it. Amen. See how he took the commandments and he enhanced them? I never killed anybody. Yeah, but in your heart you wanted to kill somebody. You've already murdered them. Amen. That's why Jesus Christ was so special, man. He took the commandments, he broke them like Moses. He said, I'm going to enhance them. You're supposed to keep the Sabbath holy. That's supposed to be to God. You know what, Christian? Every day is holy for you. Amen. Amen. Every day is holy, not just Sunday. It's Monday we're living as a Christian, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, some of you Christians. Amen. Some of you Christians, Saturday night is supposed to be holy too. Getting quiet in here. Amen. Amen. Listen, guys, I'm trying to show you. We can't keep it. 
You can't keep that law. Peter said, you can't keep that law. And we, God never gave you that commandment. Verse 25, it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. And this is what they want you to know. Verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. So this isn't just them coming up. They're saying the Holy Ghost is giving it to them too. To lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. It's hard enough to live a Christian life without somebody adding stuff to it. Amen. Amen. I mean, that you abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which if you keep yourselves, ye shall do well, fare you well. He's especially saying, don't be eating or drinking blood, don't be fornicating around, having sex outside of marriage. If you'll do these things, you'll be doing well. God bless you, and you know, I hope the Lord loves you and takes care of you, because that's what you need to do. He's not saying you're going to go to hell if you do those things. He's saying that you'll do well if you don't do those things. Do you see how they're not laying anything on you? The Holy Spirit will clean you up. Amen. See, you had to have the law outside of you because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Now the commandment's written in your heart. God doesn't need to give you commandments. You're riding. He's with you every day, and he'll give you. You shouldn't be doing that. Ooh. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing this. Ooh. The commandment's in your hearts, brothers and sisters. Look at Acts 17 in closing. I'll show you one more, and I'll give this to you when we're going home. Acts chapter 17, verse 10. Now, I've shown you all of that to show you how one verse, Acts 2.38, can be took out of context... And a, context with, a verse without a context is a pretext. It's took out of context, and then a whole denomination can be created to where you've got to be baptized to be saved, and then you've got this whole idea, and the Bible never intended it to be that way. Somebody didn't keep reading. Amen. Amen? Somebody didn't keep reading. Acts chapter 17. You need, in closing, to know if a doctrine is of the commandment of man or of God, you need to simply know this. In closing, you need to be a Berean. You need to just be a Berean. What's a Berean? Look at verse 10. Acts chapter 17, verse 10. Here's a Berean. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. And look at verse 11. Write this down. Mark this verse out. Put a star by it. These were more noble. Why were they so noble? Than those in Thessalonica, why were they so noble? And that they received the word with all readiness of mind. They, they were listening to the preaching, but look at this though, end of verse 11. And searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Amen. Be a Berean. The Bereans were more noble because you know what they did every day? Paul was preaching something and they said, you know what, I'm going to take my Bible and I'm going to check on that. You know why so many people get fooled by the commandments of men? It's because they're not reading their Bible. Amen. They get lazy. They sit in a pew. And they just let the preacher feed them. And they never open up their Bible and find out. Is he telling me the truth? Would a preacher lie to you? <laughs> yeah. Would a preacher lie to you? Amen, amen. amen. Would I lie to you? Yeah. 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 Thank you for the testimony, Brother Raymond. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I would. You better not trust me. I'm a sinner. Just like you. Would you lie to me? Yeah, if you got a chance, probably. I hope not. This will never lie. Amen. This will never, never lie. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives, Lord God. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that's never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They don't know if they've ever thought of a time that they took you personally as their Lord and Savior. Father, as we give this invitation, we're going to offer it, Lord God, that they can come down here and get saved. And Lord, they know that tonight, Lord God, that no matter what happens, they're going to go to heaven. And Father, we thank you for that grace and mercy we find in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Father. And Lord, I ask you to go with us as we go through the rest of this week. Lord, give us the courage to tell somebody else about Jesus Christ. And I'm praying all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com.
On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him